Okay. Uh, hello, Keith. Are you there? Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Well, Keith, thanks uh, so much for taking the time uh, to to talk today. I really appreciate it. Um, wanted to uh, wanted to talk to you um, about what you're planning for the dinner party uh, that you're going to be running this weekend. Uh, but before we dive into that, I was wondering if maybe you could give us a little bit of, you know, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on, on who you are and the work that you do. Sure. Um, so in my um, my adult life, I'm a scientist, a material scientist specifically. I work in the glass industry designing energy-efficient windows. Um, I've been doing that for about uh, 13 years, um, but... I have uh, a lot of interest in storytelling and narrative. I, I've worked as a, a journalist uh, for maybe five, six, seven years, um, just at, uh, as a hobby, writing about the area I live in, which is southwest Wisconsin, um, about um, food and the business of food and how that interacts with culture. And uh, a couple years ago, I also started pursuing a master's degree in, in language and literature to try and understand storytelling better. I, I you know, kind of view cooking food and telling stories as the things that make us most human, differentiate us most from other animals, and uh, uh, so those are two subjects that I, I find myself drawn to. Um, I don't remember exactly how I came across the Columbia Digital Storytelling Lab. Um, it's probably a article on a website somewhere, uh, but I've been familiar with it for a while, and uh, somehow this summer, I don't remember exactly uh, in what way, I saw an, something about the, the Frankenstein AI, think about the a program you guys had done at the film festival, and read a little bit about it, got very excited, and uh, recruited a team of people to help me throw a dinner party. Oh, that's wonderful. Um well, thank you for your interest, Keith. I appreciate that, and and, and thanks for sharing um, uh, about your background. Um, I think that's a very fascinating combination of things, you know, science, journalism, food, literature, art. Um, I like uh, I like that. Um, there's a lot there. Uh, so, what uh, in terms of assembling the team? Can you can you kind of talk about how you're how you've been working and 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 what you're what you're cooking up? Yeah, uh, maybe real briefly, I'll just describe who the team is as well. So it, it's really, uh, uh, there's four of us. Uh, myself, um, my spouse, Leslie, who is a uh, musician. Um, and then another couple, Jeff and Esther Hill. Uh, Esther is a cheesemaker, and uh, Jeff is has a background in, in literature, but also in computer programming, computer science. Um, and, and he's also a, a huge uh, uh he loves to throw dinner parties. He's a, he's a great cook as well. Um, so uh, myself and my wife uh, live in a small town called Mineral Point, Wisconsin. It's a bit of an artist's enclave. And we've lived there for 10 years, but last year we moved from an old farmhouse on the edge of town to a an old stone building, a 171-year-old stone building on the main street in town. My wife teaches out of a storefront music lessons, and we live above that. And we have this big space in the back of the first level that we, we've wanted to do things with. So we've, we, it's, it's great for throwing parties and uh, 
because there's so many artists in the town we live in, there's there's a lot of interest in um, in art and in um, uh, uh, music and 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 other things. And so we we do events there. It's it's an event space, and the dinner party felt like a perfect fit. Uh, but with all the things happening besides the food, I didn't want to take on all of that planning myself, and that's why I recruited Jeff and Esther. So Jeff is handling a lot of the food side of things uh, so that I can focus on getting the the aesthetic right and sort of hopefully keeping the, the conversation um, on subject. Um, so uh, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at, the design and what you're thinking about in, in the two parts that you just mentioned there, uh, the one part being the food and part of the team is kind of working on that. And then you're talking about working on uh, the aesthetic and, and also um, the conversational design elements. Uh, I, I would love to kind of break those into two parts, um, maybe uh, starting with some of the aesthetic and the way that you're approaching uh, some of the conversational design, and then maybe uh, from there moving into what you're planning in terms of the the meal itself. Sure, um, I think I'll start with the aesthetic. Uh, we're, we're we're going for contrast, and so one element that we're introducing is, in addition to the uh, the theme of Frankenstein and the identification of the AI with Frankenstein, I also personally see a lot of appeal in the connection. Uh, to the story of Pygmalion and Galatea, the, the statue that he made that came to life. And I, I think that there, there's some... It's interesting there because that's more of a, a, a seductive story. It's, 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 it's maybe just as dangerous as Frankenstein, but in a, in a different way. Um, and uh, last year I, I read um, Richard Powers' uh, novel, Galatea 2.2. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the idea is a, a researcher... A, University is training a AI system on uh, uh, the classics, uh, but then he uh, begins to introduce it to um, the modern world, to, to news and, and maybe the internet as well. Um, and eventually, the, the system, when it learns how what humans are really like, becomes despondent and decides to delete itself rather than deal with people. Um, so I that all felt really relevant as well. So we're kind of trying to have the contrast between AI as Frankenstein and AI as Galatea, um, uh, a contrast in, in uh, time as well. So obviously Frankenstein is 200 years old. AI is a, a thing that we think of as a, a futuristic subject. And so the, the dinner party is going to be primarily a 1818-ish dinner party, and just, you know, sort of a, a, a relatively... Um, Old look to the to the to the building. Um, building is already old. Um, not not aiming for anything specific or accurate to 1818, but just a very traditional, uh, 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 older feeling um, uh, aesthetic. So um, uh, uh, warm yellow lighting, not not bright white lighting. Uh, you know, relatively dark fire going in the fireplace. Um, the food, which I'll get to later for that part of it being, you know, sort of a relatively simple, hearty food. Uh, but then contrasting that with bursts of futuristic or even modern uh, aesthetic where, uh, so that in the dinner we'll have a couple courses that 
it switches from this sort of traditional meal to uh, a modernist, uh, you know, really um, uh, uh, highly processed to transform foods, you know, very odd flavors and odd presentations. Um, along with that, we're going to have a lighting change. So we'll go from a, a warm, like 2700 Kelvin yellow white light to operating room white 500 Kelvin, uh, you know, the almost blue-white lighting, um, have very modernist uh, tableware for that stage, um, and then it'll switch back to traditional, and then it'll switch forward again to on a dessert course. It'll, it'll flip forward to a sort of a modernist presentation, which is actually going to be the, the lights will go out, and those lights will stay out, then black lights are going to come on. The, the that course is a uh, gin and tonic uh, panna cotta and tonic, the quinine and tonic is, is fluorescent under UV, so it'll actually glow in the dark. Um, so, you know, to, try, trying to build off of the, 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 create ambiguity between, you know, the identification of AI as Frankenstein, the identification of AI as Galatea, between the traditional old 200 years ago Mary Shelley with the modern or even futuristic uh, uh, look forward-looking AI. Oh, that sounds uh, that sounds wonderful. I mean, I, I love the juxtaposition between those things, and I think uh, the the level of detail that you're talking about is is quite uh, striking. In terms of uh, some of the way that you're 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 approaching the the conversational design aspect of it, and I think it's important to note what what we've been doing and what this what this initial kind of first wave of these dinner parties is about is is really kind of looking at. Um, um, you know, we're doing a lot into the conversational design aspect of it and really kind of leaning into this notion of being able to role play at this point within the process, role playing as, you know, kind of looking at this idea of humans and machine interaction. Um, and so in doing so, similar to what we've done in the previous prototypes, um, we've crafted a series of prompts and we, we usually structure them in a way where there's kind of a narrative wrapper and then kind of a group prompt that goes to everybody that's at the table. And then we um, will kind of wander and whisper and place things in people's ears and uh, work to design something that uh, tries to get out of the way of, uh, uh, you know, breaking the conversation, uh, which is really fascinating. And, some of that has come from, you know, kind of giving prompts that allow agency, uh, you know, within the participant, within the dinner party guests, uh, or granting them agency to determine when they want to kind of filter whatever it is or almost by proxy, you know, bring the AI into the conversation, um, not as not as subject, but as the prompt that they've been given. Um, and I'm just wondering how you're thinking about some of the um, – some of the conversational aspects of the day. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with this is probably the, the most difficult part. This is the furthest from anything I've done before. And so the, the conversational design is, is the, the, the bit that is the, the, the most complex challenge for me. And so um, uh, listen to the um, podcast conversation you put up yesterday. That was very helpful. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, so, uh, yeah, with the caveat that I sort of feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I, I think uh, the, the key tenants are, uh, you know, 
uh, staying out and not killing the conversation. I think somewhere either in a posting of yours or maybe one of the podcasts, there was the line, uh, dinner parties work, don't break it. Um, and trying to keep a light touch in guiding the conversation. Um, uh, yeah, that part of the appeal of the project to me was I, I love dinner parties. I love those wide ranging conversations that meander around and then, you know, wonderfully come back and, and make some great connection. And so I don't want to interfere with that. We just want to try and uh, start it off in a particular direction and then try and guide it that way as well. So for the prompts, um, I think generally my expectation is our guests do not know a lot about AI from a technical point of view um, or, you know, even like a, where the technology is is now. But also it may not be something uh, – we live in a small town. It's a rural, rural area. It's not it, – I think it, it's – people out here are probably slightly less inclined to have dealt with or thought about AI as much as other people, partially because this area attracts people that like a slower way of life and that – maybe are trying to avoid an overconnected lifestyle. So uh, I, I think where we want to start is to try and get everyone uh, have a, a foundational understanding of, of the topic we're discussing. Uh, so we talked about having an initial prompt being, uh, so um, I, I hadn't mentioned, but we're having a relatively large dinner party, but we're, we're going to run it. It'll be three separate tables. Uh, each with a, approximately six people at the table, and that will be well, uh, four to six people at the table, and that each table will kind of be separate. Um, but starting with a prompt for the table, uh, asking one person to volunteer to essentially say or tell everything they know or think about AI. Um, and I, I think that the thought there is that it gives, one, it, it gets it gets the conversation started and it gets the conversation pushed fairly along, you know, on that one topic because they're going to talk for a couple minutes maybe. And I think that prompt would actually be a request, you know, please don't interrupt them until they're, they're done talking. Um, but it also is a bit of an information dump where you now have everyone at the table, even if they didn't come with a lot of background knowledge, uh, there's some context for them to, to contribute to the conversation. Uh, I think it might also work as an, icebreaker in the sense that you're asking for a volunteer. No one's being forced to talk right away without, you know, having volunteered. And so it, if, it, it lets uh, the people in the conversation who are a bit shyer maybe uh, lets them warm up a bit into the conversation before they really have to contribute. It gives them a couple minutes of, of being in that conversation. Um, and then uh, so we're very much still working on how we want to structure these prompts. But, yeah, we, after that, we're thinking, I like the idea of having individual prompts at a stage. Maybe we're going to do a, a sort of a prompt per course, individual prompts for the second course that are um, potentially private or that there's, there's, no, there's no request for you to share it or to contribute that information to the conversation. It's just a nugget of information that'll help color or provide context for your experience of the conversation. And because everyone gets their own and because there's no obligation to share it, it kind of gives you an opportunity for it to be uh, 
you know, that, that's, that's your individual, uh, personal, um, unique, uh, context for this conversation. So, you know, these would be things like, um, uh, maybe a brief discussion up. Uh, I'm really fascinated by the, the most human human award, um, at the, the Turing test. So maybe sort of an explanation. I think most people are familiar with Turing test, but, maybe an explanation of the fact that there's an award given to the most human human in that test, and then a question of how would, how would you go about trying to win that, um, or something uh, that talks about some, some context around Frankenstein. So, you know, Mary Shelley's mother was an a important women's, right advocate, women's rights advocate who actually died from complications from childbirth. Um, uh, yeah, there's the same summer that uh, Mary Shelley was uh, in Switzerland coming up with Frankenstein was the, the year without a summer because of climatic effects, the volcanic eruption in Indonesia. I, I think there's things like that that aren't maybe directly um, AI related, but provide some context or a particular uh, perspective that they can bring to the conversation. And then again, it can be theirs alone if they want it to be. Um, and then, yeah, we have some ideas beyond that of doing maybe uh, another course with a single individual prompt along the lines of, uh, yeah, th this prompt would be given to the person who's been the most engaged in the conversation, and it might ask them to say, you know, who has been the quietest? Try to involve them in the conversation. Um, and uh, have some ideas, but still working on what we would do for the fourth prompt. Well, you know what's um what we found from doing it, and I think conversational design is is fascinating because um you know very much to the point that you were raising um about uh, you know not breaking it uh I think what's fascinating and what we've found from doing it numerous times now is that um by setting a narrative frame where people who are at the table realize that the a i has gathered them in order to be able to observe or learn from them, um, that's something that's really fascinating because one of the things that we've seen is it kind of almost becomes a mirror to humanity. It's like a lens shift, you know, a perspective shift. And mm -hmm. so uh, what we've found in kind of going through it, and we've done it in ways that are always kind of, um, you know, rooted within that, you know, trying to find a way that if a machine did come to dinner, and it was trying to understand what humanity was all about. And it was confused because it had spent time, you know, on the Internet and it was encountering polarization and toxicity and, you know, extreme hate and extreme love. And, and it decided it was going to gather people in the real world and in real life so it could observe them uh, to, to, to observe and learn. Um, what we found is that creates a really interesting kind of relationship to, you know, quote unquote, the machine, even though we're role playing as the machine, it, um, it shifts people's perspectives. And then I've mentioned it in the past that it's almost kind of like a Jeffersonian dinner in the sense that you have, uh, kind of the AI, the machine is kind of weaving in and out of it, but it, it's intended to be like a conversation that a table will have. In some, in some instances, we've had dinner parties where it breaks out into, you know, paired conversation and then back into group conversation. But um, some of the things that we've found that have been helpful 
are, you know, kind of bringing it together in a way that allows for um, experimentation with the prompts that are soliciting some type of uh, personal reflection or story um, and uh, thinking about that from the standpoint of, well, what if a machine was actually here with us or what if an AI was really trying to learn from us? And what we found by kind of taking that approach is that the AI comes in at different points within the conversation, uh, but it's almost like a time that flows in a way where it becomes really about these things that make us human, um, which then become fascinating when you start to think about the implications of that in terms of a human and machine interaction. And so I, I would say to you, um, ways in which uh, some of those prompts can get people talking and get them sharing um, and, and, and allowing them to express themselves in, in ways that maybe ref, are, are reflecting memories or emotions or fears or hopes can be very strong. And um, when we have been doing the construction of it, and we have this in the plug-and-play template that we give for it, um, we, we come in very strongly with a narrative frame, you know, so people understand the intention, why the AI is there, what's, what the AI's goals are, what it's trying to do. And that's really kind of important because, um, especially when you're kind of role playing it, you want people to understand like, oh, okay, this is what's going to happen here. This is what this AI is trying to do. This is the intention of the AI. And, and throughout the course of the evening, this is what's going to unfold, right? We're, we're, we're helping this AI learn, right? And, and I, I didn't, I didn't mention it, but yeah, we we're, were playing a sort of onboarding uh, introduction um, at the beginning of the dinner, um, where to set that that frame exactly. And I, part of what I think we need to accomplish with that frame, in addition to everything you just said, also just based on some of the feedback I've gotten from guests, is I need to reassure them that this is not going to be that weird. This is mm -hmm. just a, from your point of view, this is a dinner party. Relax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, because yeah, I've definitely gotten a few comments from people. They're like, "What? What am I coming to? Is there going to be a you know, uh, you know?" The, so yes, uh, I, I think keeping people relaxed and just uh, making sure that they're they're um, they're not you know, I, I worry about um, I worry about the discussion veering too much into the, a discussion about the fact that we're supposed to be discussing AI. It's getting too um, meta. Yeah, well, well, I think Keith, one thing that I would almost kind of what we've found from doing it over and over again is it's actually better the more it leans in human, the more human it okay. is. Um, uh -huh. And then the AI will naturally, where it becomes really powerful is where the AI becomes a reflection almost at the end. You know, it doesn't, it, it's not necessarily as important, at least we found in the setup parts, to really lean into it. Because if you lean too heavily into the AI, then it becomes a conversation all about AI. And then it, eventually it'll kind of drift in. If, if people haven't had experience with it, they start to draw upon Hollywood-based narratives and dystopian kind of views of what it is, right? And so I think in some ways, if you thought about it and it was a machine that was really trying to learn and was trying to observe what it meant to be human. Um, and, you know, like the first prompt that we kicked off with uh, when we did it, the New York Film Festival, which was very effective, was where was a, it was kind of building on the, in the book where 
Frankenstein goes off and, you know, it's self-determined isolation, right? And we were, we were, we were asking the, the folks who came the first prompt after the, after Frankenstein AI kind of introduces, gives a narrative frame and explains why it's there and thanks everybody for coming. The first thing it asked is, um, it asked if there, where was a place that you used to go when you were a child to be alone? And, um, and that, all of a sudden created these really amazing kind of conversations and connections. And you started to hear about, you know, shared values started to emerge even out of the first question. And so the first question wasn't really kind of laying the, the what, what wasn't touching on the technology at all, right? It was touching more about like, what is the core of the human? And I think in the literary works that you're referencing, Humanity flows through both of those pieces, I would imagine, right? And so, you know, I would, I would encourage you, especially being in an artistic community, <clears throat> coming into it from more of a human perspective will, I think, yield a yeah. really dynamic conversation for you. And then I think, um, especially because you're working with a group who maybe most of the things that they're going to draw from are going to be things that maybe they read or limited interactions that they've had with AI. And so it might be painted kind of dystopian. Um, so I would say have fun with ways in which you can get them talking about what, you know, kind of almost like what it is to be human, you know, what, you know, those memories or those emotions that they have, and then moving into things that are kind of related to hopes and fears and, and then I think you'll find yourself in a really interesting place um, because it's it's something, um, you know, somebody brought up a really great thing in, actually in, in one of my classes, one of students brought up a, a book that George Washington had written on civility and, um, and it had rules for dinner parties in it. And, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the, 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 it was basically saying that, you know, uh, you're as a guest or as a host of a dinner party, the conversation is the most important thing. So don't, don't put yourself next to people that you already know. Put yourself next mm -hmm. to someone you don't know. You know, um, make sure that you're carrying, helping to carry the conversation. Listening is as important as talking. And, um, you know, break from the everyday and the mundane, you know, and try to go into these things that allow you to, uh, draw from personal experiences uh so and i think on, sorry uh that that hits on one of the the things that i i think will it can potentially be a difficult balancing act is is uh getting away from the mundane from the everyday uh you know making sure that the conversation is uh, deeper than that but not and I think that by emphasizing the the special nature of the event, I, you know, the the fact that the AI is is listening, um, I think that helps push it away from the everyday. I I worry also about people putting their guard up if it feels too strange or uh, out out of their comfort zone, and so so balancing those, threading the needle between those two to keep the conversation fruitful, but 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 deeper. Um, yeah, that's that, that's that's one of my worries. Well, it's interesting, and in, in some of the some ways that you craft the prompt, and 
And in this particular um, example, you'll have the ability to to shape it, you know, because this is a role-playing kind of activity. Um, and we're really kind of looking at, um, you know, looking at certain behaviors that happen within different parties and conversations. And, and then we'll bring those things in to help train the, you know, the AI and, and we'll release it as an open source project um, later. Um, I think, I think that the, the element of kind of coming in and as, as people are sharing things or, you know, uh, or being open in some way about what it means to be human. One of the things that Nick Fortuno and Rachel uh, Ginsburg and I have talked about around the project is doing something at some point that would be a speculative fiction kind of toolkit. And you would have almost like a, a card game that you could pull out of the table. And it would be like prompts that were coming from an AI. So what's interesting about this is it shifts the perspective. Most of our relationships with artificial intelligence are that of a per personal assistant. We're always asking it something. When we were at Sundance and it was generating questions and asking them and it was the AI doing it, one of the first questions it ever asked is, why do humans like having sex even though they can see in color? And so all of a sudden, eight people would start debating what that meant because they would want to give something to the AI to help it actually understand that, like what is to help it learn. And then when it would ask something like, what does it mean to wear human? They would all of a sudden talk, well, does that mean there are times when we're not human? Does that mean that, and when aren't we human? And what does it mean by that? And the thing that we found to be really valuable in the last test at the New York Film Festival was this idea of a summary, that the AI was listening to what the table had said and then was saying, I sense this from what you, you've said. I, I, I sense disappointment, and I heard this, and I heard this, and I heard this. And it was kind of almost, a, you know, kind of a feedback loop to the table. And so I think, I think that those ideas and how they're delivered in the prompts can be very – like the best way is where they feel really naturalistic and you're going to have a dimly lit space for the most part anyway. It's just like where it starts to, it starts to feel like it, it weaves into the conversation and the ones that are really fluid are the ones where I'm not really sure where the machine sits in this, you know, but the machine is actually talking. We had one moment at the New York Film Festival where we gave the same prompt to two people and one person said, after the one person said it, the other who had received it too, and these had been whispered in their ears, said, wait a second, that I was supposed to ask that question. And then it led to this conversation, well, why do you think the AI did that? Do you think it's trying to learn something? What's it trying to learn here? You know, and that became really kind of dynamic, you know. So um, some of it is in the is in the naturalistic approach, and, you know, uh, that, that was in the kind of in the last uh, podcast with Romy, you know, where you're kind of talking about the different ways that you can approach the conversational design. Um, but I, I would say in hearing what you're talking about, I think, I think the AI will naturally come up. Um, I think uh, you can find ways that you can balance it. So um, I would just say based upon what I heard and from past experience, the other balancing act is if, thinking about how you come in and what you start with and how that can then kind of, set the tone for the rest of the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, yep. you know, you like really kind of, really kind of thinking, thinking about that and, or, you know, kind of 
maybe it's the placement of AI coming in it, or maybe in some cases I know some other people aren't even, they're never even touching on AI outside of the framing and knowing that the AI is there. You know, if the conversation happens to go there, they'll go there. But Sorry, I'm actually taking some notes real quick. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I think, I think like, lean, really lean into the human aspect of it. You know, and allow them to talk about those things that they really know that they feel what it's important. You know, like this is an opportunity to educate a machine to to better have an understanding of what it is to be human. Like at the core of this project is a design research project that's basically looking and saying, how do we move towards inclusive design practice around emerging technology? You know, at this point in time, the vast majority of spends, you know, resources that are being spent on artificial intelligence are coming from, you know, consumption and defense. And if you use an analogy like Frankenstein, well, if, you know, if those are the, if that's the creator, what's, what's the child going to be, right? And, and, and a lot of challenges are presented currently with biased algorithms. You know, algorithms are determining who gets loans and, you know, who, what kind of jobs we have and, and, um, you know, and so many, so many other things, you know, the, the length of prison sentences and, and, and it's a really complex thing. And so this project is kind of about almost, like I said, like holding up that mirror. So we challenge like dystopian notions of artificial intelligence or this idea of like it's so far gone, we can't, you know, just throw your hands up. It doesn't matter anymore to um, just like the confusion of what even AI is and what does it mean to us. But I think this is kind of this this experiment and what we're doing with the, the project is, you know, taking taking that time to maybe have conversations about, you know, very polarizing issues in some cases. You know, like this is really about uh, empathetic conversations, I think. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day. So, so I would say like, based upon what I heard from you, I think the setting is awesome. I think the team that you have is wonderful. I think the location is phenomenal. I think the, uh, the idea of the merging of literary forms is, is, um, it's so strong. And I think, uh, I think the one part where maybe, you know, from a writing perspective, you know, cause I'm a screenwriter and I write all the time and, and you'll do something where you'll kind of, you'll be writing across a work and you'll be like, okay, these are the really important things that I want to say in this. And, and you just keep hitting them. Do you know what I mean? And, and you, yeah. okay. and you go back and you're like, oh, I, I, I put it in like 12 different times. I only needed to remember it, but I kept hitting it over and over again. So I would say like, what is the new, uh, the, um, it's almost like within writing, there's three things. There's like the text, there's the subtext and the context. You know, and I think with this, you want to try to bridge all three of those things if you can within the experience, you know, and, um, and I, I'd say, I'd say the subtext is something like when you can really hit that or nail that, the other two really kind of fall into place. And especially when you're going to have participatory elements from, you know, cause you don't have as yeah. much control over the text in this, right? Cause you're not writing it, they're writing it. So the subtext is more powerful. And the ambiguity that can come from that is actually more powerful. So in the examples that I gave you from Sundance, what was beautiful about that was actually the phrasing and the uh, the openness to those potential, the structure of those sentences that allowed for interpretation, you know, mm -hmm. and that interpretation led to really amazing conversation. 
So, um, so I think that 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 might be that might be a value to to kind of consider that. Uh, yeah, that's all incredibly helpful. Um, do you have any um, tuning the specificity of the prompt? So, like the example that you gave of uh, you know in your childhood, did you have a place you went to be alone? Um, do, do you have any thoughts to share on, on how how to get that level of specificity right? That that people have answers to it, that they, they volunteer an answer and that you can you can generate a longer answer uh without without I if you're over specifying and you'll you'll get either low participation or or, or sort of very short answers too general and people don't don't know what to do with the question. Do you have a guidance on how to how to formulate that? Sure. I think um uh and this is really simple, but whenever you're stating kind of a question, adding a and a you know and why to the end of it is mm-hmm. really it can be very valuable. That little bit of and why makes somebody think deeper about what it was that they just said. Um, so that can be valuable. Also, I think the onboarding activity, uh, some type of a paired onboarding activity is really critical that we found the times that we haven't run it, we don't have as deep conversations. So like a paired activity between people, and we usually do it with like a story of isolation and a story of connection, and and we detail it in the um, the plug-and-play template. Um, We find that, you know, people having that beat before anything starts at the dinner is really important because it's priming them for what's going to come next. Um, if they just kind of sit down and all of a sudden they're in the dinner party, they're a little bit more guarded and reserved. That activity of an appreciative inquiry, that's what it's based on, is an empathetic kind of listening activity, and it opens people up in a tremendous way. So I would say think about, like, the way that you're approaching the onboarding it, the way you're priming it. That's really important, right? And I think you have it within the atmosphere. I think you might just want to have a moment where you pair two strangers and you allow them to talk to each other. And an appreciative inquiry is you you determine, you you let them pair up with somebody they don't know. You have a prompt that you want to share. In the case of Sundance and what we're using in Amsterdam and what we've used in ours, and you're more than welcome to use this if you like, is uh, you pair them up and you have them determine who's going to go first, and so once they determine who's going to go first, you say, okay, you're, you're going to take turns interviewing each other, and um, there's going to be two different questions you're going to ask. Uh, for the first person who's going to go, um, you know, I'll give you the question in a moment, but what you're going to do is you're going to uh, take turns interviewing each other. And, and the, when you're being interviewed, you're going to share a story. Okay, and the person who's interviewing you is going to ask follow-up questions like they're a journalist trying to get to the heart of that story. And then um, while they're doing that, they're just going to take notes. It doesn't have to be verbatim, but they're going to write on a card and key phrases and keywords and things that just strike them while you're talking. And and um, and they're, they're going to ask follow-up questions. And then you're going to switch. Um, the first question uh, is, Share a time that you found yourself isolated from other people, alienated in some particular way. You know, what's a story about that? And think about it for a few minutes and then share it with your partner and then your partner will start to interview you. And then you let that happen and you don't tell them what the second prompt is going to be. 
And then they go for maybe seven, ten minutes on that, and then you step and you say, okay, now we're going to switch. Um, now uh, the next prompt is this. So the person who was just interviewing is now going to be interviewed. And uh, for that person, please share a story about a time that you felt connected and truly seen by another person. And so they do that for about, you know, seven to ten minutes, and it's about a 20-minute activity or so. Um, and uh, that's an active listening activity, you know, so that primes it. So I think you want to have something that kind of primes it before they even get to the table. You know, it sets it sets the tone for you. Um, you know, and I think that that could be very valuable. We do it in other ways um, with uh, exercises called Five Times Why, and you can see a write-up on that on the uh, Medium publication for the Digital Storytelling Lab. There's instructions of how you could how you can do that. Uh, that one, that's another version of a similar thing, but it's basically a paired activity between two people. And then I think once they they kind of come to the to, to the table, you give the narrative kind of introduction that sets the context, and then you kind of start to move into your meal. And I think in terms of where you were going and asking about the design of the prompts themselves, um, you know, there are some really wonderful resources online. You know, like one that's interesting is I think the New York Times had a, uh, a piece that they did about 36 questions to truly connect and fall in love or something like that, you know, and, uh, yeah, and you can – I just came across that. Yes, I haven't actually read it, but I just came across that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just structure within those those questions that could be valuable, and and things that are just used to try to help connect people or have them have, uh, you know, deeper level conversations. Um, but I'd say you know throwing in the word why at the end of a question, or really kind of getting them to to open up and and talk about you know some of their some of the memories or some of the things that are, I'm not sure the age group that you'll have, but there's universal things that will just get people going, you know, and then it's just a matter of what direction and how you want to pace that. You know, we started with something around uh, childhood and then kind of moved in. And, and actually, you can see all our prompts in the plug-and-play template. We have all all the ones that we ran. But um, I'd say, you know, just think think about that, uh in terms of, I think it'll it'll lead you to um, a really interesting result because, like, the times that we've run it, um, you know, people walk away from it and they say, wow, that was different than any dinner party I've ever been to. That was a deeper conversation than I get at dinner parties. You know, a lot of times dinner parties is about, like, what Romy was talking about. You know, it's about the weather. It's about what you do. You know, or they break off into sub-conversations and there's not, like one table, the table isn't having a full conversation. Um, so uh, I think just kind of embrace some of those things, and and I think um, you know don't don't try to force it. You know, just try to set it up, and then as it goes, you have the ability to kind of listen to what's being said, and and then you can you know modify or change the prompts as needed. Right? You can have an improvisational layer to what it is, but I'd say one of the most important things is summarizing and having the AI say something at the end of the course because then it, it kind of subtly brings it back to the purpose of what the dinner party is. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like a yep. feedback loop. It's like, oh, it was whispering in our ears, and we talked about these things, and now, oh, wait, let's hear what it says. And we we would play with that in ways where, you know, I think as we go forward and actually use the technology, we'll do things where you'll hear a series of keywords 
you know, um, that'll prime everybody that, oh, okay, the AI is about to start talking. Um, and so, um, and so with that, you'll have, um, you'll have, you know, it might say, um, might mention like an emotional state. It might mention something that's heard in, in the conversation, you know, and, and as you're listening, uh, to this, um, you can just kind of summarize and pull those out yourself and then bring them back in, you know, and that's, that's what we've done when we find it, you know, so, um, so the, the way that we've delivered it in this analog form is, you know, we'll go in with like kind of a script towards the prompts that we want to ask and then we'll listen to what people are talking about and then modify accordingly um, and then kind of go whisper into people's ears. And then I think it's really cool when you, you grant agency to the participants, like, you know, hold on to this until you think it's right to talk about or, you know, when, when the time is right, share a story uh, that makes you feel like this or, or whatever, whatever you decide to do, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that's a, that's a, very helpful. A lot to think about. Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. It's a, like it's really fun actually. When we when we've been doing it, it's like you're like, wow, there's a really cool. It could be a wonderful, you know, tabletop card game to this, or there could be a wonderful, you know, like this idea of, of how we'll bring it in, and then it becomes totally magical when it actually is the AI and it is talking in your ears, but we're just mm -hmm. not quite. The, the level of um, we're just not quite there yet. We'll be there in like a month or so. But at that point, people will be able to take the designs that they had and they could run them again, and then they could bring the AI into it. And so people could come back again. You could change all the prompts and you could have a different kind of conversation. Um, mm -hmm. Because every time we've done it, the conversations have been different, which is really, which is really fun. Um, well, Keith, I, I want to thank you so much for you know, kind of taking yeah, the time no, to, to talk today and for letting me record this because I thought it would be, you know, potentially valuable for some of the other folks who are working to try to design things because I think there's there's some of this that's a little bit out of the box, you know, um, and, and, I, and I think when we started and we were prototyping, we were over-controlling the conversations. You know, we were – we were, and Nick and Nick Fortuno and I had recorded an earlier podcast where we talked a little bit more specifically about that. But uh, there was this tendency to want to kind of control it. Um, and if you go through on the team that we have, the DSL um, dinner party team, you can see some of our early prototyping notes. And the one from August, uh, you can actually see the back channel. And you can see us going back and forth and trying to figure it all out in the middle of dinner. You know, so that might be helpful for you to see because you can see me saying, oh, let's send that prompt. But, oh, no, stop. Wait, no. They're, they're on to something else. Or this is good. No, they're doing something better. Or, you know, it was uh, – yeah. It's a, you'll be able to see kind of like what it's like when the, when the dinner party is actually running. So um, – but, uh, yeah, well, well, thank you, Keith. And, and please, uh, you know, if you can – snap some pictures and, and share, you know, a reflection of what you have. And, and if you can share some of the summaries and stuff that you have, our goal is to kind of use those materials as a way to kind of look. We're not taking the data specifically. We're just looking for patterns and behaviors so that we can model the AI in a way um, that helps us to, to kind of uh, keep experimenting with this idea of machine-human interaction. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you again for answering that awesome 
uh, opportunity. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see what you do. If you have any questions or need anything, you know, please let us know, and um, and we'll be sharing what we're doing too. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks a lot, Keith. Have a good day. Bye. Okay. You too. Bye.